You are listening to From Sobriety to Recovery with Jesse Mogul. Let's get to the show. Welcome back to From Sobriety to Recovery. I am your host, Jesse Mogul. I am in addiction recovery. And today we're going to talk about our physical body. Now, we have discussed physical fitness and getting your body into motion and activity a lot on this show. And as I've been going back through my archives, which is just what I call all the old episodes, and I think I'm up somewhere around 60 or 70 now in outlining them all and preparing the web pages for them that will ultimately become the book for this show, um, I'm noticing a lot of episodes about the physical fitness and the human body and just getting ourselves into action. And so there's some things I want to cover about that today because I have talked to some people who are jumping into their physical fitness and then I'm also having an opportunity to talk to people who are pushing back against it. And I'm noticing some language patterns and some visualizations that are starting to um, become familiar the more I have these conversations with people. One of the things I remember the most about when I first got sober was the fact that my body was destroyed. Um, you wake up in a bathtub covered in your own filth on January 12th and decide on January 13th that you're no longer going to drink anymore. And then that night, um, I refused to stop drinking. And so I kept drinking, and I had this big garbage can in my room, and I literally just sat at the edge of my bed um, with my feet up on the mattress and just continued to try to drink Jack Daniels and uh, Stella Ortois and a bunch of wine. And uh, the moment it would get into my belly, it would just come right back up I mean, within a minute, if it even stayed in that long. It was atrocious, and I can remember the pain as if it was yesterday. And my body was just rejecting anything, even fluids. It, it would not uh, handle water at all. There was not, this body was like, screw you, I don't want anything inside my stomach. So when I went in to the hospital on that Monday, because that was the first time they were able to see me, so that would have been the 16th. They started doing some blood tests, and I mean, the moment they saw me, they were like, you are in bad shape. And I had some issues with my kidneys and my liver, and and my physical body was just torn to pieces. And the next few weeks, as you know, I laid in bed when I wasn't working or going to meetings or going to the hospital in general for whatever the treatment was, it was a lot of laying in bed and hot, cold sweats and shaking and not being able to hold food down. I think it was about seven to 10 days before I was able to actually hold like a sandwich down. And uh, it was vicious. And I remember as I was going through all that, being like the part that hurts the most is knowing that I had done this to myself. And what was going to be the amount of effort to get me back into some kind of physical shape where I just felt normal again. I wasn't even hoping to be in the best shape of my life. I just wanted to feel normal again. And at 233 pounds, which was the weight I was when they weighed me in on January 16th, um, I had very much remembered that what started this whole slide down into the depths was uh, when I broke my leg skydiving. And so I remembered that my weight was at 173 pounds the day that I first went in for my skydiving lesson because they weigh you to understand all that. I don't know. There's a reason why they weigh you. And I, I don't really recall, but I do know it has something to do with parachutes or harnesses or something to that effect. So I knew I was 173 pounds on August 13th, which was the day that I heard my leg explode. 
And here we are, January 13th. Well, 16th, really, but the last day I drank was the 13th. And I'm 233 pounds. So I had put on 60 pounds. And I was like, okay, well, then that's the goal, is to get back down to 173 pounds. And it took me... um, quite some time. I believe it was about a year and a half. I really stopped trying for about six months there because I got a girlfriend and I just sort of cruise controlled. But once that ended, I got myself back down to 173 pounds. So, you know, from start to finish, it was, you know, January um, 16th of 2017 till June 15th of 2018 is whenever I officially was down to 173 pounds. I nailed it on my birthday. And so let's discuss some of the reasons that I think people can push back against the working out and some people can take it in. And I think that a lot of it has to do with the amount of visualizations we have of what we think the amount of effort it's going to take and how much it could potentially hurt. Because when you are lifting weights that are heavier than you're used to, or you're out walking more than you're used to, or you're riding a bike or you're running or you're swimming, you're doing anything that your body hasn't built up some muscle memory around, inevitably your muscles are going to burn. It's going to hurt. And that uncomfortability in the moment can be a signifier to the brain that, you know, this is hurt. This hurts. Um, My brain wants pleasure. I only want to seek pleasure. And this is not pleasure. So let's stop doing this. And what I've noticed in the language patterns of the people who are willing to push through that and the people who are either not even willing to start or let alone succumb to the burning. And I call it like, I call them little chipmunks trying to, trying to claw their way out of my muscles, you know, cause last night, whenever I'm doing the bicep curls, there's some times where it's like they're on fire, but that fire goes away within like 10 or 15 seconds. And then there's just sort of a throbbing. And then within a few minutes, the muscles basically return back to normal and I can do the next reps, these next sets. So can you be willing to push yourself through those initial 15, 30 seconds where the chipmunks are trying to claw their way out of the muscles and the next few minutes where they're throbbing and they're pulsating in order to get them to come back to just being like feeling normal? Again, And that's the big question that I've proposed to the people who push back is, are you willing to go through that level of uncomfortability? And the difference in the language patterns of those who are willing to push through is they say that little bit of uncomfortability is worth it to, in order to feel the achievement of knowing that I put my body through these rigorous tests and not only did I achieve the getting through the workout or achieve finishing the bike ride or the run or the 10,000 steps. But I now get to know that today I did something to move the needle forward in my sobriety and recovery versus the people who are less than willing to jump into that, who will say things like, well, that's just uncomfortable. That doesn't feel normal. I've never been somebody who's done that. I don't like the way that it feels. And of course, you're not going to enjoy necessarily the way that it feels at be- the beginning if you're not somebody who's prone to doing these things. This is really the state that we are seeking to get ourselves into quite frequently within our sobriety and recovery is a state of uncomfortability because that's where we grow. Uh, one of the exercise videos that I watch uh, that I, I follow along when I do my cycling is she'll say that. She's like, if you feel uncomfortable, that's how you know you're growing. And she couldn't have put it any better. And the what I love about the people on the videos that I watch to coach me as long is that I don't even necessarily always follow exactly what they're saying, but I just like the fact that there's a human voice coaching me along. And if it's a workout class and there's other people doing it, and even though I know it was recorded seven years ago, I still enjoy the fact that 
I don't feel like I'm working out alone uh, in my bonus room in my house, that there's a voice, that there's somebody, there's a, there's a timer, it's keeping me going. And I did notice that during COVID, I was having a hard time sticking with my workouts until I moved to workout videos and that there was a voice and that there was a coach and there was somebody saying uplifting things. So if you're one of those people who's not been to the gym in a while and you'd rather be doing something at your house for even just a little bit and whether whatever that might look like to you, go and see if you can find an app. Go find a video. There's probably one on YouTube. But that person's voice coaching you along and saying uplifting things will absolutely help in just having you feel like you're not doing it alone. And then there's generally a timer associated with it because they're trying to get you to move through a workout or, or you know, if you're on a spin bike, then they want you up and down and out of the saddle and they want you turning the resistance up and down. And there's this whole thing. And I don't even necessarily always listen to the person. I, I might be up out, out of the saddle when they're in the saddle. I might be doing it super hard when they're saying super light and I'll be doing it super light when they su- say super hard. It, to me, it's not the point of whether I'm doing it exactly the way that they say. It's the fact that I'm doing it at all. And the beach body workouts that I do, uh, there's this one person in the classroom that they've created that's always doing a modified version so that when your muscles get too tired or you're not quite to the physical fitness level of the rest of the people in the class, you can modify the workout in order to still be doing something. And I've learned that if you're doing a plank and they also want you doing like a mountain climber, which is just bringing your knees up to your chest, you know, then after a period of time, if you might start to slow down and then I might start to slow down so much that I just want to get on my knees because the burning's so bad. But they'll say, no, just be doing something. Be activating your muscles towards something. So at the very minimum, I'll just maintain a plank. And I'm giving you guys some examples of this. Just I, I don't know, maybe this is helping you paint a picture of what it might look like. But what I, the, what I really want this to be that you can take away from this is that if you're not used to physical activity and you're rather lethargic and you're going to seek a massive change in your life, whether it's Sean T saying something to the effect of, you know, when you take control of your body, you take control of your life, whether it's Carol Dweck from the author of the book Mindset saying that, you know, you're always in growth if you choose to notice it, if you choose to be, you're only fixed if you choose to stay where you're at. Perhaps it's the author of the twelve uh, week year, you know, talking about, um, you know, are you willing to schedule out your days in order to make sure that the things that are important to you are there? Uh, I'm not really sure where I got the unconscious and conscious intentionality that I brought up the other day. It's somewhere in my notes. But are you aware consciously why you're making the goals you are? And then are you aware of unconsciously what might be pushing back against you? And something that I've heard time and time again um, from people is that either they don't want to get really bulky. That's a that's a sentence I've heard from um, particularly females. Um, I was somebody who's worked out for quite some time. I can assure you that you do not just put on muscle really fast unless you you have some sort of genetic code going on for you, it takes a lot of effort. Now, yes, the back and the shoulders will tend to grow faster than the arms and the and the chest and uh, those kinds of regions. So whether you're a male or female, realize that when you first start to work out, you might see quick growth in your back and your shoulders because there's there are bigger muscle groups uh, versus the bicep and the tricep and you know the pectorals that aren't as big. So if your concern is that you're going to get bulky, I can assure you it takes quite some time to be able to start showing that level of muscle definition. What you're looking for is that commitment to yourself that says 20 minutes a day, 30 minutes a day. Hell, if you've not done one minute a day, then just commit to one minute a day of doing something that moves you out of your comfort zone. Uh, Another 
thing I've heard from people is that there's sort of a negative connotation or a stigma around those people who spend a lot of time in the gym. Oh, I don't want to be a gym rat. I don't want to be one of those meatheads. I don't want to be one of those lunks, you know, who walks around and grunts a lot and, you know, is talking about their, you know, what they eat all the time and making fun of skinny people. Well, that's not generally what I've experienced at the gym. You would probably have to go specifically find people who talk like that. And I've don't come across them very often. And yet I'm very familiar with multiple gyms in my area, as well as you can just choose to not be one of those people. Like you don't have to go around and get in shape and then make fun of the people who aren't in shape. Like (laughs) that's not a, that's not part of the contract that you sign when you decide to start getting healthy is that you have to walk around making fun of and talking shit about all the people who aren't in as good a shape as you. See what's, very important for me, and I've got this on the cover of my cell phone and I've had it on the cover of my cell phone for quite some time, is the saying that um, look in the mirror, that's your competition. That's it. I don't really care how much you lift. I don't care how fast you run. I don't care all of the physical fitness things that you can do. I care what my body can do because that's my vessel. I will congratulate you if you've done things. It's not like I don't. Okay, let me make sure I'm clear. It's not that I don't care about other people's physical fitness and bodies. But if they're sitting there trying to make me feel less than because theirs is more than as they perceive it, that I don't care about. Congratulations to you. That's super awesome. For whatever reasons you, in your life, you were able to achieve those things. I'm very proud for you. I can, I can celebrate that. I can be happy for me and have pride in what I've done for my physical body in the last seven years. But I do not go around and rub my, uh, other people's nose in my accomplishments. That's, that's doesn't, that, that goes completely against my moral and ethical code. And as I watch someone like my brother today finish his first marathon, and he's 10 years younger than me, so he's uh, 37 right now. I remember back whenever I got into running when I first moved to LA because I found a half marathon that's uh, race date was on what would have been my mom's birthday in 2010. And so that would have made her, let's see, it's 45, 55 years old. So my for my mom's 55th birthday, I decided to run a half marathon on her 55th birthday. It finished on Las Vegas Boulevard. I carried some of her ashes with me and spread them at the finish line. And that began a one-year odyssey for me where every single month I ran a half marathon. So I ran 13 half marathons in 13 months. And then I was like, okay, we're good here. I'm very happy with what I've accomplished, but I have no desire to run a full marathon. I'm already bored at the two hour and 15 minute mark. I couldn't imagine having to do this for another two hours and 15 minutes. And then my brother goes off and he finishes his marathon today in about 426, which would have been about my finish time back whenever I was 32. I have no idea what I would do it in now. But the beautiful thing is, is I can revel in, you know, being there, you know, to support him via text. I never went on a run with him or anything, but going down there and watching him cross the finish line, you know, and when he and I start talking about the physical fitness things that we get ourselves into at our age, you know, because it's a different conversation when he's 27 and I'm 37 or whenever I'm 32 and he's 22. It's a different conversation than when now he has three kids. He's getting ready to turn 40 in a few years. I'm getting ready to turn 50. And it really comes down Uh, for both of us, for just, we make a decision to set a physical fitness goal. And then we just do everything in our power to succeed at the finishing of that goal. Now, he always knew he was going to finish the marathon. Did he know it was going to be four hours and 26 minutes? 
No. He thought sometimes he thought it was going to be faster. Other times he thought it might be slower. But either way, he knew he would pass that finish line. When I told myself that I would get down to 173, and then on my 45th birthday, I wanted down to 159, and then I wanted to put on muscle, I just make these goals. And oftentimes, I don't even know how achievable they are. But it, to me, it's not necessarily in the quote-unquote completion, because I don't think there's ever a completion in our physical fitness journey. I don't want to be a 70- or 80-year-old who can barely get around. I mean, I saw somebody who was easily in their 70s running this marathon today, and well, at least they were running. They were running. I don't know if they were running the back half of the marathon with the 13 mile portion or the full marathon, but they were super old and they were super running. And I'm like, that's the kind of 70 year old I want to be. I don't want my physical body to hold me back. And whenever we look at it from that point of view, will my physical body hold me back? The real question is, will you allow your mind to hold you back? Because regardless of all the things that I've just gone through, the number one precursor, and I may have said many things are number one by this point, but now as I start to really get this out of my mouth, the number one precursor is making the decision to do it and then not letting the mind tell you that it's not achievable. It's the same thing with your sobriety and recovery. I get it. There's trauma. There's suffering. There's pain. There's all this emotional stuff that's hanging out in the back end in our unconscious mind that we're still you know, deciphering and siphoning through. And I'll cover that tomorrow whenever we cover the emotional part of uncomfortability. But when we discuss physical fitness and the uncomfortability that comes from that, the mind is going to do its damnedest to mental gymnastics you to stay where you're at now because that's your quote-unquote comfort zone. But you're not really comfortable here. You're not. If you, if you were comfortable with where your body was at, you wouldn't be looking in the mirror talking shit to yourself about it. You wouldn't be putting on your favorite clothes and wondering why they're too tight or in some cases too loose. Whatever it might be, we get ourselves locked in on like, well, I'm just, you know what, that just seems way uncomfortable to put my body through that and to have my mind trying to convince me otherwise. So I'll just stay here where I'm comfortable. But we're not comfortable here. We're very uncomfortable in our comfort zone. So I would rather just be comfortable in my uncomfortable zone. Because when it comes down to it, I'm going to have at some point in time be getting to a certain age, be looking at my body, be looking at my life and asking myself, what the frick did I actually create for myself? And I finished up The Good Place and there's, you know, all this philosophical stuff. And of course, it's, you know, it's really about, you know, meaning of life and what is the afterlife like. And the Cheaty character uh, does this poem for um, Eleanor, the Kristen Bell character, about how, you know, there, the, there's the ocean and then the wave crashes upon a shore and then it washes back out into the ocean. And the wave was just a form that the water took for that moment. And then it returns back to the giganticness that is the ocean. And it's supposed to be sort of like this meaning that we are the wave, that we take this form for a very short amount of time. And then we return back into, let's just say the energy of the universe. Well, what am I going to do with my wave in this brief little amount of time I have? What am I going to do with it? Because there's this book I saw um, over by uh, the Rockefeller tree when I was in New York City for Thanksgiving. I think it's something like the like 400 weeks. And it's this idea that, you know, basically if we live to be somewhere in our 70s, we get about 400 weeks. What am I going to do for those 400 weeks? What level of uncomfortability am I going to sit in right now? Am I going to experience right now in order to reach the accomplishment mountain? 
What is waiting for me on the other side? I've said this before, but I'll say it again, is that I'm willing to sacrifice some level of enjoyment, of instant gratification for, uh, from today in order to, for the, to experience the accomplishment tomorrow. Because my impulse control might be to not go work out, to not be on the exercise bike at 1.30 in the morning. But I committed to doing two-a-days, and by God, I'm not going to go to bed till it's done. And that's what I've caught myself doing this last week. I get my workout done in the middle of the day. I eat some dinner. I'll hang out with a girlfriend. We'll watch a little television. I'll go do homework essays from roughly about 9.30 or 10 till about 1. I'll shoot the podcast from 1 to 1.30. I'll get on the exercise bike from 1.30 a.m. to 2 a.m. And then I'll go downstairs, drink my protein shake, and watch a little Good Place. Like that's what my schedule was like this entire week. Now, I didn't necessarily mean to create it that way, but I committed to one episode a day for the rest of this month, and I committed to working out um, two twice a day, every single day for the week. And today was the finish of that week. Will I begin it up again tomorrow? I don't know. But I made the commitment to myself. And my word has to mean something. If to nobody else, it has to mean something to me. If you feel like something's not changing as quickly as you'd like. First, understand instant gratification is just something all humans desire, at least in this day and age. I'm sure 200 years ago when we had to sit there and stare at corn and wait for it to finally grow so we could harvest it and eat it, we had a little bit more patience. But we don't have much patience today because we have instant gratification devices all around us. But realize that the best accomplishments are going to be those that take time for you to achieve. And if you don't feel that your sobriety and recovery is working for you, toward you, as well as you would like it to be, as you would prefer it to be, then ask yourself, how much are you actually getting your physical body involved? One of my clients stretches regularly. Another one likes to skateboard. Another one drives a truck all the time. So he's been, he's been getting steps at like truck stops and rest stops. Another one's able to go for walks for an hour or two a day and is crushing 10,000 steps for breakfast. Another one is, you know, looking at different ways that they might get into some sort of uh, like a Krav Maga or, you know, some, like, uh, you know, one of those, uh, I don't know. I'm thinking Karate Kid in my head kind of things. You know, there's a lot of different ways that you can get your physical body active. But when you, I really do believe that when you take control of your body, you take control of your life. That there is a lot going on in the mind. And the best way to get out of the mind is to get in your body. If you're pushing back against getting physically active, ask yourself, what is the reason for that? What is the pushback? Are you afraid that if you try really hard that you won't necessarily get that amazing body that you've always desired? Well, I can tell you this much, that sitting on the couch just hoping that you'll finally get somewhere without actually having to try too hard, you're going to end up at the same place that you are today. Push, push, push. That's my philosophy. That I don't want to look in the mirror a year or two or five down the road and wonder what the frick did I do with all that time? We all had a lot of time during COVID. Some of us utilized it. Some of us didn't. But either way, we can look back at that and we're either like, man, I'm, I'm pretty happy with what I did then. And others of us say, man, I'm not so happy with what I did then. But we did what we did then. Today is the day to make a different decision. I have a rule about not sitting on the couch in the middle of the day. 
It's the work day. There's, I get I get to work from home, but I'm just not going to sit on the couch. I'm going to be at my desk. I'm going to be pushing myself forward. I'm not saying that you need to have that kind of intense internal driver that I do. You can have your own level of internal driver. I want it to be healthy for you. You have to figure out what's healthy for you. But if you're consistently finding yourself not feeling good, feeling depressed, feeling sad, feeling overwhelmed, feeling angry or jealous or shameful or guilty or whatever it might be. Those are feelings that are locked up inside of your body. And the best way I have ever found to be able to reconcile them, get them out of me so that I can actually figure out what is the hurt, what is the pain, what is the sorrow, the best way I've ever figured out how to get those out of me so I could do something about them is to feel them coming through my pores of sweat. Try something different. Get out of your head. Get into your body. And I promise you, you will feel better. All right, my friends, inclusivity over exclusivity, the power of positive energy, release and flow. Every day is the best day of our lives. When we wake up sober, shout out to Sunshine and Robert. Glow on. Bye-bye. (laughs) 